Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul, and it's Friday! So we're talking about why the angry black woman trope is finding its way into election debates, what Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt's new bill means for transgender children and teens, why Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves is being questioned about the spending of millions of dollars. Let's get down to business. The business of being black today are the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, the gang's all here, activist and radio personality, Dominique De Prima. Hi, Dominique. Hi, Tammy Mack. Happy weekend. Happy weekend. Political analyst Ed Sanders on board. Hi, Ed. Tommy. Happy Howard homecoming weekend. Okay, Howard. Go, Howard. <laughs> Yay! Comedian and filmmaker Alicia Cooper. Hey, Alicia. Hey, Tammy. Happy Friday. And the president and founder of Oleka Management Consulting, Dr. O.J. That was hey, good. Terry, Matt, good to be with you. Happy Friday. You see how I did that? Like I gave you like a real big intro. You know, you, did you like that, Dr. Olega? I appreciate that. <laughs> I just can't get any energy from Dr. Olega. He's like, I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. You know, that doesn't thrill me, Tammy Mack, but okay. You do you, sis. During the Georgia gubernatorial debate on Monday, Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams was described by her opponent, Governor Brian Kemp, as being upset and mad during their discussion about law enforcement. U.S. Representative Val Demings was also criticized as being too strong, too hot, and perhaps a tad angry during her debate with Senator Marco Rubio. What are your thoughts on this? Does the angry black woman card still impact who white voters see black women as in politics? This is a good one. I like this one. I like it. Go, Alicia. Well, yeah, I mean, it does still, all the stuff that they keep doing, they do it because it has been effective in the past. But when I hear these angry tropes and all this stuff, I just realize they have, they know that they're getting their asses handed to them and they're desperate. Those women showed up. They were educated. They were intelligent. They were not angry. They were passionate. See, white women get called passionate. We get called angry. They were passionate. And you should be angry about things like police brutality, even if they weren't. So um, I don't know. He's playing to his base. And, eh, you know, I, I, people know what it is by now. They know what it is anyway. And these women are the bombs. So I don't care what he calls them. Uh, hopefully he'll call them governor and senator and the things that they're going to win soon. Yeah. I don't understand how you can be too strong either, especially when you're getting into the game of politics. Uh, Ed, what you got? Alicia nailed it. Uh, you know, the, the, the strange part about it is how easily it flows off their lips, right? Like this isn't the first and this won't be the last and it, it's not regional to just Florida, uh, you know, it, it, but we get it, we hear it. Um, it's always interesting to see how the, the conservatives will, will feign uh, ignorance or uh, try to downplay it. But it, you know, these are those dog whistles that, that we know come out, especially during election season. You know, don't forget, we're only uh, a few weeks away from uh, election Tuesday. Um, and so expect a few more dog whistles in the coming days. Yeah. Dr. Oleka, sometimes I get a little passionate, a little strong, a little angry on this show. What you got? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think it is important that voters see who their candidates are, and they can describe them themselves however they want to. They can say that they're passionate. They can say that they're mad. They can say they're upset. But what's most important is that both Valerie Demings and Stacey Abrams are out of touch with their voters. 
Marco Rubio is going to return to the United States Senate. He'll probably end up winning by double digits. And same thing with campus governor. I said this a long time ago on your show, Tammy Mack, that this race in Georgia was not going to be close. And the fact that you have these candidates who support things like abortion on demand with no limits whatsoever, and they've made gaffe after gaffe in ways that are out of step with the voters of Florida and Georgia, but in step with their donors from California and New York, will be demonstrated pretty clearly on Election Day when Brian Kemp gets reelected and so does Marco Rubio. Mm, he's got some strong stances there, Dominique. He's got a great pivot, right from what we were talking about to his slate of talking points in support of his Republican candidates. Good job, Dr. Aleka. But the point about stereotyping of women to take away our power is a serious point. I think it happens to white women, too. They get called hysterical, emotional, you know, bitchy, instead of strong. I've been through this myself in business, and for a black woman, it's deadly. People criticize the vice president for smiling and giggling. Well, I believe that's a defense mechanism, because if you don't do that, you get labeled as the angry black woman. Remember the fist bump on the campaign trail? Black power fist bump, supposedly, between husband and wife of the Obamas? This is a lethal stereotype, which will totally neutralize your political and personal power and turn you into a caricature. And I'm glad we're pushing back on it on this show, Tammy Mack. I'm glad you put it in the conversation because we need to be able to recognize it just as readily as we recognize watermelon eating or whatever other stereotypes we easily recognize and condemn. The trope of the angry black woman is not fair. As Alicia said, we have a right to be angry about certain things. Number two, we should be called strong and powerful leaders, not threats. And I think it's great that we're exposing this. I hear you say it's not fair, Dominique, but is it true? It's not fair because we're judged by a different measuring stick than everyone else, which is the definition of racism and prejudice and sexism, misogyny, by the way. Um, I don't think it's true. Yeah, we can get angry, but everybody gets angry when their children are being murdered. Everybody gets angry when their agency over their own bodies is taken away. You call it abortion on demand. I call it the right to make choices for myself and my family to have contraception. Anybody would get angry if they were being slaughtered. So some things are logical to get angry. The problem is we're held to a different standard as black women. It, it it brings me it makes me think of when um, Supreme uh, Justice Supreme Court Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh was in his hearings and how angry he got. <laughs> but nobody said he was the angry white man, but he got really angry. And I was thinking, ooh, this is a bit much. This angry he was white unhinged man. over some beer. <laughs> yeah, maybe he could have used the was. beer. <laughs> Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed a bill defunding gender transition medical services for minors at Oklahoma Children's Hospital at OU Health. Now, watch this clip of Stitt explaining his reason why. Some people call it gender transition surgery. What it really is, it's life-changing, altering sterilization surgeries. And that's wrong for a minor. We have a duty to protect minors from a lot of things. We don't let them drink. We don't let them get tattoos. Their brains aren't fully de developed. And so when I found out that we were uh, life-altering surgeries on a healthy children, uh, Oklahomans overwhelmingly support me that just says, hey, this is not something we're going to allow to be done to minors and use taxpayer dollars. Does he have a point here? I mean, should minors be allowed to have this surgery? It? 
Um, you know, difficult question, and but I think it's a question for families, right? I, I presume that minors can't walk in and just elect to have it, that that, that that sort of surgery has to be done in consultation with their family. Um, and if, you know, the parents are on board, I don't see why the state would play a role in the conversation, right? I, I, I would imagine on other issues, the governor would defer to the parents' will with regards to a, to a child. Um, you know, again, this is, to, to me, this is one of those um, issues that um, really doesn't matter that much. I cannot imagine how many how many children are, are electing to go through this particular surgery, but it is a, a great talking point, right? And it's one of those that people will talk about in the in the barber shop. They'll talk about with the the water cooler, um, but in the end game, it's much ado about nothing. What I think the governor should focus on is Oklahoma's education spending, which is near the bottom of the fifty states. Yeah, yeah. You have to focus on what you think your base is going to, you know, rally around for sure, Dominique. Yeah, um, you know, I think that it's also disingenuous to just make it seem like this is not something that happens, you know, with due process. I mean, kids don't just walk in and get uh, surgery. It's not just their families either. They're working with doctors. You can't, this is a process. You don't just get um, gender reassignment surgery. I think that um, this is a private family matter, and I'm very concerned that the Republican Party is now taking this tact to stir up their base where they're interfering in personal medical decisions of American families. To me, that is very much an encroachment upon the rights and the privacy of American families. Oh, you can't take a simple COVID shot. That's not allowed to be mandated. I can't make you wear a mask, but you can intrude on my body about whether I can have contraception, about whether I can terminate a pregnancy, and about my family's private decision to deal with gender dysmorphia, which is a process, a long process that we're going through with our doctor. That's a version of the nanny state that is very, very, it's like futuristic bad, you know, 1984 bad. Uh, get get your laws off my body. I feel so old because you were like 1984 bad. I thought you were going to say like, you know, 1922 bad, 1884 bad. I was talking about the book 1984, Tammy. Oh, oh okay. Brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 1984. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Alicia. Yeah, I agree with Dominique. I mean, this is so... And, and I... It, I need more statistics and more information about what's happening in Oklahoma because there's a difference in a six-year-old and a 16-year-old. And, and, and it is really, these are the same people who want to force a 10-year-old girl to keep a baby conceived through rape or incest. But, uh, and then they want to tell you what you can and can't do with your child if they're dealing with some sort of a dysmorphia. I just feel like it's overreach. All of this stuff to me should be protected by HIPAA. I don't know why we're talking about people's medical situations and it's a straw man. You know, these people do not care about your kids. They care about holding on to power. And I just, I don't, I don't agree with him. Yeah. Dr. Oleka, we'll let you weigh in when we return. We've got to uh, take a quick break, if you don't mind, sir. But when we come back, we will be talking about your party. How about that? <laughs> when we return on the business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Well, I am Tammy Mack, and today, the business of being black are the political and trending highlights of the week. Dr. Oleka, we didn't get you to get a chance to weigh in on our last topic when it comes to uh, minors getting surgery to alter or, uh, you know, transition surgeries. 
I applaud what Governor Stitt is doing. I don't think this is a difficult question at all. I think it's very easy and very clear to say that minors should not be getting surgery that will fundamentally change their lives based on transition surgery. Think about what we're saying. If there was a 13-year-old who said, I want to spend my whole day drinking alcohol or doing a bunch of drugs, and their parent was like, oh, great, let's have you do this because it makes you feel better. The state would say, this parent doesn't know what they're doing. This parent's out of their mind. We should take this kid out of their home. But when the parent and the kid apparently say, I want to transition my entire anatomy so I can no longer be the sex that I was born because I want to be something else because society and culture have told me that this is normal, then we accept it. This is an awful procedure that happens to kids. I applaud the governor of Oklahoma for doing the right thing, and I wish that other governors would follow in pursuit of this same kind of policy. You're talking about a medical condition, and you're comparing it to drinking alcohol. No, I'm not talking, talking about, about a medical condition. A medical condition which is being treated by condition. a doctor and comparing it to a child alcoholic. First That's of all, what's let, me, awful. let me be explicitly clear about this. Number one, to be an alcoholic is a medical condition. This is not something to play around with, and it's not a game. If you okay, are okay, but you're talking about teen drinking compared That's to gender dysphoria. Second Boom. thing, if we're talking about, and I'm surprised that you actually use the language gender gender dysmorphia. This is something that the the left and the progressives don't actually want to use anymore. They just say it's a normal, regular thing for people to decide to want to be something else. There are statistics that say that there are more people in California and New York and states along the coast that are deciding that they want to transition from what they were born into something that they have never been. This tells you that this is not a medical condition. They're not doing it themselves, Dr. Olika. They're doing it under the supervision of doctors and, and psychiatric care. They're not, a lot they're of not doctors just walking into a store and getting a procedure. That have nothing to do with actually making people healthier. Just because you tell me a doctor is supportive of it, doesn't make it good. It doesn't make well, it One of the reasons it happens more in California and New York is because people are fleeing states like Oklahoma where they don't have rights and they have to go somewhere where they can get the medical care they need. I think it is a wild accusation to suggest that because a doctor tells you to get a medical procedure, that that is somehow good for you. When we have clear understandings of the history. That's not what I said. I said they're country, under the care the doctor of doctors. Says it doesn't mean that it's good. I also think that it is doctors. a problem that just because a parent tells a kid when they're six or 16 or any age in between that it is good for them to mutilate themselves, that somehow the state should be supportive of this and the state should fund it. I Dr. will Omega, never I allow the state to tell me been, that I have to make I know my daughters families who have been silly through this. I know families who have been through this, and it's not the parents deciding. Usually it's the child coming to the parents, and usually it's a long process that involves psychologists and medical doctors, and it's not something they do because it's convenient or fun. It's something they do because they feel they don't have any other choice based on what's going on medically with that child. So, Dominique, I do want to ask, um, I, I, like, what do you say to people, um, much like Dr. Oleka used uh, the alcoholic uh, comparison, but I'll use a lighter comparison here. What do you say to people that say, hey, if my uh, 12-year-old wants to get married, I wouldn't allow my 12-year-old to get married. If my 12-year-old wanted a tattoo, I wouldn't allow my 12-year-old to get a tattoo. So is so wanting to get married, is that a medical condition? Is wanting to get a tattoo a medical condition? Look, well, what if, what, what if, what do you say to the people that say, I wouldn't want uh, my 12-year-old to get pregnant? Like, I, and, but your 12-year-old has decided, I think I want a baby. Well, now you're talking about allowing your child to have sex. 
What we're talking about well, here is, is that okay? But is it okay if my 20-year-old child wants is born to have with? Sex? Well, it's a totally, completely different question. If your child was born pregnant, then you would have to make a decision. And that's kind of more like what we're talking about. No, this is, Tammy, we, we have to stop with this fiction that a child who was happy being a girl or a boy when they were nine or 10. You don't know that. Goes to a school with kids who have decided that they are going to be non-binary, they're going to transition. They've decided, they've so decided. Just like they decide they're gonna be they gay, okay. Nine and 10 has now decided, well, I need to fit in, or maybe I'm not happy this way. So they go through uh, what's called the process. But again, we have no idea how long this process is with each of these kids, with each of the doctors, with each of the people in psychology that they talk to. Nobody knows how long that is. Some instances, it could be a year or two years. In some instances, it could be three months. It's but Dr. Oleka, what Dominique is suggesting is that this is a process that the family goes through. The child doesn't just wake up and go, hey, uh, I want to transition. It's a, it's a lengthy process that they've discussed and that they've seen before they even approach a doctor. They go into treatment is what they do. They go into treatment, psychological treatment. They go into medical treatment and they look at what's happening. And, you know, this is not this is not anything any family takes lightly. This is an assumption that the process is lengthy. It is an assumption that the process makes any sense beyond a doctor offering fishing questions to a kid who is scared out of their mind who doesn't know who they are, and the doctor says to them, well, do you think maybe you would feel better if you were something else? Sure, maybe I would. So then they go through the That's process. That's a Republican again. fantasy. How long is it? So let's months? move on. I don't think, I will have to agree to disagree on this one for sure. The Republican National Committee, Dr. Oleg, I'm going to stay with you on this. The National Republican Congressional Committee and the Pennsylvania GOP filed a lawsuit arguing that the state is illegally dodging state law and a Supreme Court ruling by saying it will count undated absentee ballots. Let's talk about that. I mean, look, I think if the law explicitly says you can't do that and the state is counting those votes, I think that becomes an easy thing to throw out. If, if the legislature or the statute, however, was constructed, if a court ruled on it and it is explicit to say that you cannot count ballots that don't have a date on them and people are doing that, well, then you can't do it. And that becomes a reasonable suit uh, in my mind. Ed? Well, I mean, I, I think, yes, there, there are you know, qualities of a ballot that, that make it counter, right? Um, I think all can agree that um, if someone's date, uh, if you write the number incorrectly or, you know, scribble it, that um, how it gets determined that a ballot doesn't have the date, there's some ambiguity there. Um, whether or not someone puts the date on doesn't discount their intent to vote. You still have them signing the ballot and turning it in. And those are legitimate questions that that can be called into the court. And, that, and I think it's fair for the Democrats to press that forward. Yeah. Alicia? It just sounds like some more trickery to me. Anything to try to win by any cost. You know, we see how they do with the gerrymandering and they'll change the rules. They'll make stuff up. Now, all of a sudden, this is a problem when it's never been a problem before. So I, I, I'm not even surprised that they're pulling out all the stops. I think that they're trying to get everything ready for a win in 2024 because they're worried. Dominique? Yeah, it's interesting that um, Republicans want to, you know, be able to count these ballots 
without dates. And I, I love that uh, Dr. Oleka is going with law-abiding citizen on this particular question because it seems that uh, the GOP has been trying to think of every single reason to throw out every other ballot. You didn't sign it exactly like the signature that day when you registered to vote. Um, you know, you, you haven't voted in too long, even though that shouldn't be a thing. You're supposed to be able to vote whenever you want, um, you know, and so on and so forth. So for once, the hysteria about shutting voters down turns around when it's in their favor. And hopefully this leads to more um, consistency on the part of all um, voting authorities in being fair and consistent in the way they decide which ballots are counted and which voters are empowered to vote. Two congressional committees want Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves to explain how his state is spending hundreds of millions of federal funds for water infrastructure as it predominantly uh, black as as its predominantly black city cities of Jackson struggling with crumbling water infrastructure. So let's talk about this. Do you think the funds are being spent in a non-discriminatory way here? Dominique, I see you smiling. Hold that thought and hold that <laughs> laughter because we're going to take a commercial break. I want y'all to get into this one. All right. Let's take a commercial break and come right back to business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. So I want to take a quick second to talk about Hover, one of our amazing sponsors. Have you ever thought about starting your own business, creating a brand, sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world or using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Well, don't look any further. Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business you want to take online, the first step is finding your domain name. Hover makes this super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and a truly amazing customer support team. It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. You will also be able to choose from over 400 extensions like .shop, .tech, and .art, or stick with the classic .com. You'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable, relevant, and boost your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call away or a chat away. Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. Secure, simple, and reliable. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with a perfect domain name, head to hover.com forward slash Tammy Mac to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash Tammy Mac to get 10% off. And that's the business. Now back to the business of being black. So um, two congressional committees want Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves to explain how his state is spending hundreds of millions of federal fund for water infrastructure as its predominantly black city of Jackson struggles with crumbling water infrastructure. Now, a former mayor mentioned Republican state leaders have provided little financial help for the aging systems challenges and that tackling the city's water troubles, which stretch back decades could cost billions of dollars. And Mississippi is one of several states that relies on funds provided by the federal government. Dominique, you started with a smile. I'm not sure where this smile is going to take us. What road? Well, it's because 
The Republicans are always saying, look at your Democrat-run cities. They're crumbling, blah, blah, blah. It's a favorite talking point. And what I'm always saying is that we are relying on federal and state funding. And many times, like in a state like Mississippi, where you do have Republican control at that level, it makes it difficult because they can literally starve out a city. It's interesting that the president of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, just happens to live in Jackson, Mississippi, and he feels that this spending amounts to discrimination in the fact that the allocation of resources is racially based. So it's great that this uh, investigation is underway, and I look forward to seeing what's going to be uncovered and how it can be applied to other cities that are being starved out by Republican lawmakers. Ed Sanders. Yeah, I, you know, look, great news. I, I'm glad two committees are looking at it. Um, I always feel like they should be looking at this anyway, right, across all 50 states. I, I think anytime you dole out uh, federal funds, you want a measure of accountability. Um, but I don't think this is limited to, I don't think this is an issue that would just be limited to Mississippi, as, as Dominique alluded to. Um, in the end game, you know, I, as, as we think about Mississippi, I'm also thinking about sort of the Brett Favre debacle, right, um, and how much of the infrastructure money uh, was misappropriated. Uh, you know, clearly there there uh, is desire in the state to, to move money around. Um, and, you know, I think folks in Mississippi should be wary. When it comes to cheating the Black community and misappropriation, and, and I guess I shouldn't throw out allegations, but um, I fully expect that, that there will be some, some monies that have been used inappropriately in this case. Um, you know, this is where it gets to be troublesome, right? Uh, a volleyball uh, gym in, in lieu of uh, water infrastructure, uh, that's not the equation that we're looking for. Mm, Dr. Oleka, it's not the equation we're looking for, it says. Well, I mean, I think some points that have been made are good ones. This is something that should be investigated all across the country. Uh, as Dominique pointed out, she calls it a talking point. I call it a lived reality. The cities that are in America are largely run by Democrats. And if they get a lot of federal funds and the cities are crumbling, the infrastructure is crumbling, water, sewer, transportation, if those are issues, somebody's got to investigate. And it's not the fault of a Republican governor if that's going on. Look, there's an easy way to figure this kind of thing out. The feds dole out money. The state legislature is responsible for appropriating that money. That would be attached to an executive branch or an executive cabinet or an executive office. Bring those people into Washington, ask them how the money is spent, follow the money and follow that trail. It could take a little bit, but that's the process that you'd go about it. Again, I'm with Ed. I'd like to see this done in all cities across the country. We've given out so much money from the federal government and have no idea where it's gone. But let's also try to look at some Democrat governors and Democrat-run cities in the same state. I'd love to see where money goes in Chicago or some of these other big cities across the country. So if you're going to do Jackson, let's do these other cities as well. Well, I mean, should we solve this Mississippi water crisis? Well, sure, we should solve the Mississippi water crisis. But my point is that the only reason why people are calling it, quote, a Mississippi water crisis is because people brought it up as one, which is true, which is good. But there are other communities facing multiple crises that they don't call it that because it's just how the cities have been we run. We call so it long. that because the people of Mississippi didn't have water. It's not because we made something up, Dr. Oleka. What are you talking about? We don't Nobody's call it the Los Angeles water up. crisis because we have water that comes out of our taps and you can actually drink it and bathe in it without getting sick. That's why Nobody they call it the Mississippi made water crisis. Up. What are you talking about? I'm not about? saying that the people in Mississippi or Jackson <laughs> made up the water crisis. What I'm saying is that plenty of other states and plenty of other cities get money from the federal government, and yet we don't know what happens to that money. 
the we great do. state of California has all. Well, yeah, the, the California had one hundred and fifty million dollars of homeless money that they had to return back to the federal government because it wasn't utilized. So uh, you're that's right. That's inefficient about that. governance. That's not because we don't know where it went. It's because they didn't distribute it in a timely manner, and that's a problem. But we know where the money goes. There's audits. There's budgets. I mean, it's not a mystery. Apparently it was, which is why it wasn't spent on all the homeless people you got in your state, which is why you send it back to the feds and hopefully they'll send it back to the people. Well, I think every state has their issues. Uh, the, the topic at hand is the water in Mississippi and the topic uh, not even a year ago was the water in Flint. So, I mean, it is a problem that needs to be solved, right, Dr. Oleka? Yes, absolutely. But I'm saying it's not as if Jackson and Mississippi are unique in this particular event. So I'm saying that Ed's point, we should do this all across the country. We should. We just shouldn't wait until there is a crisis that people hear about at the national level. Because well, what happens is people do their dirt until they get caught. So there is not going to be uh, anybody like trying to fix it before it happens, because the only reason it's happening is because everybody is in cahoots with one another about what they're going to do with the money, which is typically uh, is typically greed and selfishness and not really caring about their constituents in the first place. I mean, it's decades of underinvestment, too. So if you look at Jackson, Mississippi, it's that state's been the, that city within a Republican state has been starved out those black communities for decades. So then whatever mayor happens to be in office, when the problem becomes a crisis, they're the ones that has to that have to deal with it. But it's a long term problem. So here's a sad uh, story, very sad news. Uh, Wednesday, Jean McGuire, a 91-year-old civil rights uh, pioneer, was stabbed multiple times while she walked her dog through a Boston park. She was taken to a nearby hospital for non-life-threatening uh, injuries. A preliminary investigation revealed that the suspect may have also been injured in the attack after McGuire's dog fought off the attacker to protect her. It's still unclear as to the motive behind the attack, and officials did not say whether the incident was racially motivated or not. But what are your thoughts about this horrible news? When I heard this story, I'm like, how can anybody stab someone so vulnerable as 91 years old? Like, that's just sad all the way around. What is this world come to, Ed? Yeah, it, it, it hit. Um, you know, and you, you think about Boston and, and you think about um, her experience in, in you know, the, as, as a role and uh, as a leader in the Boston education movement. Um, you know, shout out to her first off, 91 years old, walking the dog in the park. I, I, <laughs> I just got to lift that up. I, I hope I'm able to do we that. We all hope to be right? 91 years old, walking our dog in the park, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, ultimately, I hope this is a random act, right? Like that, that and, and you know, she shouldn't have to endure this. But, you know, given given the storyline in history, I would hate to see that that something was motive. That was the motivation for attacking her. Um, I'm glad she survived. I hope she gets a full recovery. Yeah. Alicia. Yeah, this is a very sad story when I was researching, but I want to first comment on how young and beautiful and vibrant and how funny she is. I just, I was like so happy to, to even hear that her injuries weren't life-threatening because this lady is just a pillar of the community and it's so sad that this even happened to her. And then I was trying to research more about the assailant and when they said 
possibly racially motivated. So I'm like, are they saying that this person was not African-American? They didn't tell us really anything other than that about the assailant. But this lady's a tough bird. I'm so glad she had her dog out there with her. It's like, it's so sad that nowadays you have to keep your head on a swivel even when you're walking your dog. You got to keep mace on a key ring or something. This I don't know what has happened. Anytime you would attack an elder like that, I, I just don't know. It's, 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 it's an awful time right now. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Dr. Oleka. I mean, I agree. I think it's sad. I think it's awful. Uh, I'm thankful that she uh, only had minor injuries. I hope she makes a full recovery. Uh, that's a great pup that she's got with her uh, that <laughs> kept her safe and hopefully will we'll be with her as she recovers. Yeah, Dominique? Yeah, it is really sad. And I, I love to see the way the puppy, you know, stood up for her. And I'm glad that she's going to recover. It seems like she will recover. I just think that when we hear these kind of stories and we think, you know, that our country or our world is going to hell in a handbasket, it's important to remember that we are in a time of crisis still. Mental health challenges are behind a lot of these kinds of attacks. I hope it wasn't a hate crime. Uh, hate crimes are up across the country. But this kind of a, apparent uh, behavior that we're seeing, it's some of it, a lot of it, I believe, is linked to the pandemic. And, uh, and I think we'll bounce back. I don't think we're really seeing more crime than normal, to be honest. I think we are allowed to see more because of the internet today. I think a lot of this has actually gone on in the past. We just weren't capable of seeing it every time it happened. And now our access is just, I mean, overwhelming how and, and, and the way that if we see something and it gets millions of views, it continues to go through your timeline. So you're seeing it over and over again. And it really um, it's overwhelming. It, it really is. I, I do believe there's an issue with mental illness, Dominique, but I also feel like um, sometimes we put we put crime uh, equal. We make crime equal to mental illness. And I'm getting really leery about that because I don't want to link mental illness with criminals. And then all of a sudden, every person with a mental illness is also a criminal. And so that's that's beginning to reach a scary territory to me as well. You understand what I'm saying here? I do. And I agree with you. I also think that, you know, for some criminals, it's a way it's a get out of jail free card. So I think we do have to be mindful of that. But it is also true that we are in a national mental health crisis. And sometimes it's important to note whether or not these actions are caused by a person who is having a mental health break so that we just don't decide that, you know, all is lost. Yeah. Alicia? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And 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 um, with mental health, it's like our country really started failing the mental health a long time ago because we used to have mental health hospitals in a lot of the big areas, and now they're all gone. And the people didn't go away. So what happened to them? A lot of them are on the streets. They're not getting the care that they need, deserve. You know, we spend a lot of money sending over to other countries. We also also should spend money here at home too to help people who need it the most. A life coach who goes by, by the name of Anita posted a cautionary tale on YouTube about a friend who she claims went to the Dominican Republic to have a BBL and then things didn't go as planned. Take a look at this video. A really good friend of mine, she had a BBL. She had a BBL and let's just say now she's walking around with one kidney. Do what you want. I really don't care. But if it risks someone I love possibly dying, then it needs to be spoke about. So BBL is a Brazilian butt lift. Is it Brazilian butt lift? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brazilian butt yes. lift. 
Brazilian butt lift. So for those of you who don't know what a BBL is even, Anita claims her friend paid $3,500 for liposuction and a tummy tuck. And when she returned to America, she had some complications, got a physical and discovered that her kidney was missing. I cannot miss this commercial break. We'll be right back to talk about it on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. And the business of being black today are the political and trending highlights of the week. With my Friday co-host, Dr. Oleka on board, Alicia Cooper, Dominique DePrima, and Ed Sanders. So a life coach who goes by the name of Anita, posted a cautionary tale on YouTube about a friend who she claims went to the Dominican Republic to have a BBL and then things didn't go as planned. We're gonna take a look at this video again. A really good friend of mine, she had a BBL. She had a BBL and let's just say now she's walking around with one kidney. Do what you want, I really don't care. But if it risks someone I love possibly dying, then it needs to be spoke about. Wow, she came back with no kidney, a butt, but no kidney. Anita claims her friend paid $3,500 for liposuction and a tummy tuck. And when she returned to America, she had some complications, got a physical and discovered that she was missing a kidney. Anita wrote, life for her will never be the same. If you're thinking about getting a BBL, then you need to watch this video. This is one of the most shocking and tragic stories you'll ever hear. And it's one that you need to know about. By learning about this case, you'll be able to help protect other potential victims and make sure that this never happens to another person again. So what do you think about this story, Dr. Oleka? Well, I've got a lot of questions about this story. I'm not certain why she felt she had to go to the Dominican Republic to get one. It was cheaper? Well, I think maybe she should consider that when she's making these kinds of decisions, but... I know nothing about what a BBL is, uh, so I would probably advise that people don't do this, and if you decide to do this, try to do it somewhere that you know people, a local hospital, uh, not a country that you don't have a whole lot of experience in. Ed? You know, I'm right there with OJ on this one. I, I got to so find out. The guys are going to stay out of this conversation. Right, right. Oh, how okay, much does it cost to get, how much is it in the United States to get, get a BBL? Does anyone know? I mean, is this. I don't this... know, but I do know they have care credit and care credit can get you hooked up now. That care credit. Apparently it's around 5,000 if you do it here. And, you know, you're going to spend, what, another 2500 to fly to the Dominican and hang out for a couple of days. I, I don't I don't get the savings of it. But, you know, in the end game, the real sad part is people feeling like elective surgery for cosmetic purposes. Um, you know, that that just speaks a little more of the issue, you know, in terms of insecurity and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, sad. I'm just, I hope, you know, I hope the kidney went to good use, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I hope she doesn't need it. Right. Let's hope she doesn't need it. Uh, Alicia. Yeah. Uh, and she got two things down for 3,500. So missing that kidney was a bargain. Uh, also, <laughs> also <laughs> she looking good. She looking good. Ain't nobody looking at that kidney. She they looking good on the outside. They ain't saying I can't date you because you ain't got but one kidney. She came up. Clean on the inside, clean on the outside. <laughs> but she better now live her life like she got one kitty. No more sweets. No, she no better work alcohol. out every day. There's no more alcohol. She better preserve the one kitty she's got. But she looking good, though. <laughs> okay. Bikini season. 
Dominique. <laughs> well, yeah, people do go to other countries and even um, get surgery in this country um, with people who aren't certified. And, you know, I don't, I think we should, I hope we're beyond judging other people for their choices about their own bodies, but I do hope people go to certified uh, doctors, board certified doctors, because people die from tummy tucks. People die from butt lifts and all these, what we think of as simple surgeries. People die from them every day in this country. The other thing that, you know, is worth considering, especially when you go to a country like the Dominican Republic or Brazil, there's an international trade in human organs and body parts. So for all we know, the price of that BBL was actually uh, including that kidney, which could have been sold on the black market. I know that sounds crazy, but that is something that happens every day all over the world. And when you go to another country, you just don't have the protections. You just don't have the rights and the backup. So, hey, you know, America first when it comes to your surgeries, I think, and board certified for sure. Dr. Oleka, you got that on tape. We got that on tape. I was going to say clip that. Dominic said <laughs> America that first. We're really talking about medical we care now. And, 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 and when you come into the operating room, you see a cooler with some ice in it. <laughs> Run your ass up out of here. <laughs> and four or five other kidneys in it. Yeah, by that, your kidney with a nice Chianti and some fiber. What's babies. the ice pack for? Well, you know, we want the swelling to go down. Uh, <laughs> law enforcement uh, are warning parents about dangerous and deadly drugs being mixed into the Halloween candy this year following a massive fentanyl bust at Los Angeles Airport this week. According to ABC7, someone attempted to get through security at LAX Airport with bags of candy that contained up to 12,000 fentanyl pills on Wednesday. The Opioids were packed inside Skittles, Whoppers, and sweet tart candy boxes. Damn it. I eat Whoppers all the time. Uh, the candy-colored fentanyl appears to be a new method used by drug cartels to attract children and young people. That's interesting. Wow. It's dumb. That I mean, the experts are saying those weren't meant for kids. They're just doing smuggling fentanyl like what kid has money to buy fentanyl that doesn't even make sense yeah i'm not really sure about seven-year-olds like how it attracts children huh i'm I'm not exactly sure how it attracts children yeah you're on the right track here dominique i mean yeah like the children don't have a lot of money uh it's probably not a good market for future drug dealers i'm just saying and every year this halloween candy scare happens too it's like Every year is a different story about why Halloween. Listen, since I was a child, my mother used to um, sift through my candy and check it out and scope it out and open it and close it back. Like, right. But it's an urban legend because there are very, very, very few cases of this actually happening. I'm surprised that we still have trick or treat and that people allow their kids to still go door to door and trick or treat for candy when every year for decades, we've all been scared about the candy that, that our kids get at these doors. Yeah. Well, we've been having an issue in Los Angeles and, and it, it really is fentanyl, right? I, I think um, as many as seven um, high school age kids have, have passed away in the, in the last couple months. Um, based on this fentanyl uh, use, and you know it, the the candy, the candy flavoring, the candy look, um, it should be alarming. Uh, you know, kids kids don't have all of the information, and so when they see something that looks like candy and it and it 
you know, it could be a buzz or however you describe it, uh, we should be alarmed about it. You know, I know within the school district, they've they've put out Narcan, the 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 drug that helps to relieve some of the symptoms of, of fentanyl. But you know, if drugs like this are being piped in to, you know, our communities, then we have to take alarm on it. But you know Ed, I mean? the, the cases in LA that you're talking about are cases where kids think they're getting other drugs and they happen to have fentanyl in it. They're not going and getting Skittles and then, you know, and then getting hooked on fentanyl. They think they're getting Oxycontin or they think they're getting, you know, whatever uh, Adderall or whatever they think they're getting. And it just happens to be a fake drug or something that has fentanyl added in. So I think that's a little different. It brought me, you were bringing it to the next point, which was the, just sort of the pill popping mentality that we've got in the country, yeah, right? That's and, and that's what's fueling sort of the opioid side. Um, you know, that is really what's at the heart here. But, but ultimately, you know, if the product is being made and brought into the market here, someone's going to use you, it, right? You're just saying yeah. that because you're against the candy flavored tobaccos. That's why of he's- Of course, but even still, if, if they're bringing in candy looking looking uh, fentanyl, somebody is intended. And, and if it's candy-like, it's probably kids. Yeah, Dr. Oleka? Well, I think both of these things can be true in the sense that you can have these illegal drug manufacturers bringing in uh, drugs, pills, through candy containers because it's an easy way for them to manufacture without actually having that particular box being designed for kids, because as was pointed out earlier, children don't have a lot of money. But it can also be true that these candy-flavored or candy-designed uh, drugs could be used later to market to kids on a different level. So both things can be true, while this story might be pointing to the manufacturing side of it. I don't think really that it's connected to Halloween, but it is in fact connected to a massive drug problem that does exist in this country. A lot of those drugs are coming from the Mexican border. If we just built the border wall, then we'd be fine. America first, right, Dominique? A lot of bugs, um, drugs fly over the wall. Most drugs don't come in by boat or by foot. <clears throat> so no, I don't think the wall solves it. But yeah, we do have a drug problem. Alicia, well, in this case, the drugs came in through uh, the airplane. Right, airplane. that was my point, yeah. I, came through the plane. I don't and think I, there's I, a I, wall that tall. <laughs> <laughs> and it does always somehow get tied into Halloween and Halloween candy. I think it's time to, through technology, update the way we trick or treat anyway. We should let the kids go on Instacart and click everything they want <laughs> and have it delivered to the house on the 31st. But then no one sees your costume. That's no fun. Yes, you you put, put the, no put the costume Instagram on Instagram. Yeah, you Instagram it. Yeah, you put your costume on Instagram and, and see we don't, we don't have to risk COVID. We don't no have human contact. No exactly. Okay. We're all happy. Globally, and the, globally everybody sees your costume. And, and the kids don't have to get candy corn. Hold on now. I love me some candy <laughs> corn. Candy Wait corn. one minute. <laughs> we are not going to slander candy corn today, not on this show. <laughs> I'm going to bring some to your house on the 31st. And I'm going to eat it, and it'll be gone on the 1st. And have a costume on, Alicia. When a you costume. <laughs> Other I'm going to dress as some fentanyl. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Author and TV correspondent Candace Owens recently said that oh, straight Lord. <laughs> that's... I can't stand her name. <laughs> that's straight... Speaking of candy, um, that straight white males are now being treated the same as black people during the degrading segregation era in America. Here's a little clip I got for y'all. And people, you know, they're just trying to find something that makes them not white. 
right? And it's really staggering to think that once upon a time, that is exactly what the experience was for a black American. Well, listen, both things can't be true, right? You can't say that black people, there's no racism and that black people are treated just fine. They just got to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and then in the same breath say, well, you know, uh, white men are being treated like black men used to be treated. Well, exactly how is that? But right. what are we talking it, it, about here? Especially since race is a social construct anyway, and that none of these other groups were even considered white until around the 40s when they were called white all of a sudden for political gain. Candace going always gets on my daggone nerves. I, oh, just the thought of her, her voice, everything about her just grates. It's like she tries to find the most incendiary thing that's going to get her clicks and likes, and then she runs out there and says it. You know, yeah. I, I, that, that woman is just annoying. I'm like, who's your mama? Who's your pappy? Who's related to this woman? Somebody stop her. I just, uh, she just, uh, I don't even, she, everything about her is fake and phony and she's a grifter. Gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> she continued with her theory of America not achieving equality for whites, specifically white men, and added that she wouldn't want to be uh, one because it's not easy. She said the actual... <laughs> Really, really. I mean, look, this is this. this I can't this country, even read. <laughs> this country was built for for and by white men, right? And for decades, they were the beneficiary of it all. And, and, right? she, and, and she ran and married one. She was so. <laughs> Oh, Come on, you know he ain't oppressed. That's why you married him. She said she wouldn't want to be a white man because it's not easy. She said the actually worst thing to be in this society, the one thing I would not want to be is a straight white male. Uh, Dr. Well, Oleka. She ain't got to worry about her husband being a straight white male. I saw them dresses he got on. Dr. Oleka, is that, uh, does that concern you? Is that the one person you would not want to be in this country today, a straight white male? Look, let me tell you like this. I don't think you should be discounting what she's saying. And let me put it to you this pretty explicit way. If she's saying it, she's heard it from people who are straight white men. And if that's the perception, if that's how they feel, then that is an important thing to understand about the direction of the country socioculturally. You can disagree 100%. It doesn't even have to be true. But if that's how a lot of people feel, there is a problem in the country in terms of equality of opportunity. Certainly, I wouldn't say that exists at the same level that it did for black folks throughout the history of the country. But if there's a rising population that feels like they are cheated and not supported, not treated equally, that's a problem. It we has should, been a problem for black men and black women uh, for centuries, indeed. We should, Ed, we should, I got 20 seconds. Should, Go for it. I know. We should take those white guys that feel that way, move them to Oklahoma, and they can go through the surgery and become black women, and we'll solve everything. Dominique. I got one. The, the girl is an opportunist, and those are white supremacist talking points. You will not replace me. Does that sound familiar? It's the politics of grievance, and they're a bunch of big crybabies. Get it together.
Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 